0: Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Movement PT Coffee Cast. My name's Dalton, and with me, as always, is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? Doing really good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. It's, uh, it's, it's snowing quite a bit here. We're getting crushed with the storm. Uh, so I'm going to be stuck inside all day uh, drinking coffee, So, which is not a bad thing. I'm not mad about it, but this is like a typical Canadian day today. Oh yeah, it's always like a little bit of a panic in the air like the
1: week kind of leading up to a big snowstorm. Oh yeah, the hype is real. Like do you get that at the clinic where everyone's like, "Oh, like uh what's going on this weekend?" <laughs> like yeah.
0: no, it's a good it's a good starting talking point though. Like I I'll, I just know I'm like, "Oh man, what are you are you guys gearing up for the big snowstorm?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so true. And everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I got uh got my snow shovel and my my salt and all." That. I'm like, "Jeez." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be prepared though yeah for sure um, have lots of coffee too no doubt speaking of coffee what are you
1: drinking today well i'm actually at my brother's house so he's i'm pretty sure speaking of brothers i think he drinks brother's coffee which wow. is really good uh place out of oakville and uh he's got this like he's got a new espresso machine it's all kind of like you know been like calibrated and everything so it's mm. like just it's really good
0: how yeah. about you I'm just drinking some pilot coffee actually, which it's been a while since I had pilot and I I missed it. It's a good what kind? What kind? You know what? I don't know the name. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say it. But it's like it's like molasses, chocolate, um, and nutty flavoring. So Man, that's, pretty legit. That's nothing bad about that. Alright, but enough enough of that talk. Let's bring in our guests because I'm so excited that we have the one and only Joe Rinaldi back on the podcast for the second time. Joe, welcome back.
2: Yo, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for having me. And, and speaking of the snow, I'm sitting here in New Jersey, completely disappointed. Uh, you know, it started out on Monday. People were like, yeah, we're supposed to get a dusting. Tuesday, like one to two inches, I hear. The Wednesday, Thursday, we're supposed to get six to eight. Friday, everybody's like, we're getting eight to 12 inches. It's nothing, rain, nothing, no snow. Super disappointed.
0: Yeah, the hype comes and then you get
1: nothing. wow that's like way off too like (laughs) (laughs) from 10 to 12 centimeters to no snow no 10 to 12 inches inches we're uh, we're not on the
0: metric system over here yeah whoops my bad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i'm happy to be here though yeah man joe we're pumped to have you back so why don't you just i mean for anyone who may not know who you are or didn't catch like the first episode that we had with you which they should definitely go check out um, could you just give a little bit of info into like who you are and, and kind of what you're doing currently right now?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm a 24-year-old PT student, third year student at Drexel University down in Philadelphia. So I'm actually on my last clinical rotation right now. I'll be graduating in April. So just a couple short months and then I will officially be a PT. Um, aside from being a PT student, uh, I really just enjoy lifting. Um, and just helping people, empowering people, getting people stronger physically and mentally and, um, just networking. I mean, through social media, I got to meet you guys and so many other great people. And, um, I really feel like, uh, that's something that I enjoy and I would encourage other people to do. So, that's what I'm all about
1: Joe, like, uh, you've had a bit of a switch eh, on your Instagram, like, like what, what has this switch been, you know, in content wise and stuff for you?
2: yeah that's a that's a great um a great thing to notice i uh so for everybody listening i used to be joe flow fit uh now i'm joe rinaldi dot spt and in a couple of months when i graduate i will be joe rinaldi dot dpt um, i'm
0: not gonna lie before i miss joe flow man yeah you
2: miss it <laughs> I yeah was saying I that the other
0: day i'm like man i need joe flow back in my life yeah
2: I might, I might bring it back i don't know <laughs> But uh, speaking of that, with uh, Joe Flow, like about a year ago, so I was putting out a lot of uh, therapeutic exercise content, you know, how to deadlift, how to squat, um, corrective exercise, stuff like that. And in the past year, probably in the past six months more so, I've shifted more towards um, if you want to call it motivational stuff or inspirational stuff, but it's really just uh, mindset and lifestyle stuff. Um, So like I said, I really enjoy encouraging and empowering other people. And it's kind of taken me a couple years on Instagram to realize that that's more my niche. And I really enjoyed in the clinic talking to patients and just helping people realize that they're more resilient than they think they are. And I think a lot of that comes with a mindset shift. And that's kind of what I'm trying to encourage and put out on Instagram, uh, while also keeping it relatable to everybody, not just physical therapists, but Um, just everybody in general so try to broaden my audience reach with that with that being said though uh, as I graduate PT school and get more into the clinical side of things I would like to shift a little bit more back towards the PT side of things and keep a balance Um, so also put out some of that Therax stuff like you guys are doing pretty much
1: yeah awesome do you feel like it like just kind of like do you feel like the reason you're putting out some of that kind of content is just because of some of the experiences that you've been having?
2: Yeah, uh, for sure. I If anybody has read any of my blogs, uh, you probably have heard me talk at some point about my eyes. And so for anybody who didn't listen to the first podcast with you guys that I was on, um, I have a genetic eye disease and I've been progressively losing my vision since I was about 10 years old. And that's really shaped a lot of who I've become. Uh, It's kind of become my story. And in the beginning of that story, you know, when I was a teenager, it was a sad story. Um, But now I've changed it and it's not a sad story anymore. It's a happy story. And that struggle's kind of been my strength. And I realized that no matter what it is anybody's going through in life, you know, some people have it worse than other people. But you can control what you can control. You know, you can control your attitude, your efforts, your decisions that you make. And if you just, Take full responsibility for those things uh and you're consistent and you work hard and you do the right thing you know, anything is possible and i've felt that and realized that 100 percent in my life and i just want to spread that message to other people because um even for people hearing that message it sounds cliche and it might just you know go in one ear out the other but for somebody it might stick and if i can help one person that uh, that's the world to me that's all i care about
0: yeah Joe I, like I think that's awesome and that's one thing so I had this kind of written down and, and we we're going to get to it a little bit later but I think this is a good time maybe to bring it up is like the yeah. one thing that I've like always really appreciate about you like putting your content out and like the discussions that you've had is that no matter what you always take this mindset of you always have a choice right like yeah. you've been through some stuff in your life obviously that you know is not easy to deal with um but in the end you always feel like you have this control over your decisions um how did like how did you get to this mindset? I and mean, maybe not. You kind of just talked about it a little bit, but how do you like keep that mindset going on a daily basis?
2: Yeah. So that I I love that you asked that question because I'm actually working on a an Instagram post that um it's about what ifs and if thens right. So I used to let my life be controlled by what ifs. I was an anxious person. I would think what if this, what if that, and when I was going into grad school, I I experienced a sudden loss of vision, and I thought. You know, what if I go to grad school and then I can't see, uh, will I be able to finish? Like, what if I go to grad school and this happens or that happens? And it held me back and it took a a lot of deep thought reflection. Um, and my parents really helped me out big time. And they told me that I can't let my life be controlled by what ifs. Um, and I needed to start thinking in the terms of if then, you know, if I lose my vision, then I'll be okay. be able to handle it if this happens then you know what i'll deal with it then and i have the tools to be able to deal with that um and so it really took um a couple life experiences and hardships to realize that the what ifs weren't worth the worry and that worrying today really doesn't do anything for you except sap your strength um there's no need to worry about tomorrow because those what ifs might not happen They're, they're exactly what they sound like they're what ifs and um i think the reason Uh, that I I feel so strongly about that and the thing that keeps bringing me back and back to that every day when I wake up in the morning um, is that I feel like I have a purpose on this earth and I feel like it's bigger than me Um, my life isn't about me it's about other people and when you adopt that mindset and you truly believe it you wake up every morning realizing that your actions and the effort that you put out into the world, other people are watching and it affects the people in your life around you. And those people might not even be in your life today. You know, you being better today and giving your best effort today are going to create habits that are going to make you a better husband one day, a better father one day, a better friend to somebody you haven't even met one, one day. And if you, if you wake up every morning and look at it as an opportunity to be better for other people, it's just, it's lit a fire inside of me. That's, that's never gonna never gonna be put out. So it's, it's powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I think another thing I want to ask, like how, like, obviously, you, you've done some self development, self growth, you've been through experiences, like, you're very passionate about this. Um, how do you think like other people can discover this mindset? Because I think it's obviously everyone's very individual. But there are like, there are steps I think that you can take to start to put yourself in this mindset. So what do you think are like some ways that people could do that or that you're trying to help people realize that?
2: Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. Uh, So I start off every morning with probably like five to 15 minutes, depending on the morning of, of journaling. So I'm a big quote guy. So I've spent tons of time compiling like hundreds, probably close to thousands of quotes. And I'll start off each day with a quote, um, a little prayer and then some thought time and I'll write down what my goals are for the day, how I'm going to get there, et cetera, et cetera. And that process of starting off the morning with um, intention and setting the intention and the tone for the day are, are, is a, it's a great way for me at least I've found to kind of go throughout the day with a purpose. And then it comes down to over time, for me, at least writing has really been the way that I found my why, as I like to call it. And Simon Sinek, uh, if you've ever heard of him, is just an awesome uh, public figure, speaker. I'd highly recommend listening to some of his stuff, but he has a book out called Find Your Why. And I'd hi- highly recommend that to anybody who's looking to try to find their why or figure out what drives them. Uh, and I think a lot of times writing your thoughts down and creating your story is a really powerful way to do that because we are the stories that we tell ourselves. You know, things happen to you in your life every day, and your collection of those things, but not just your life experiences, is how you spin them, right? I could sit here with self pity and say, woe is me because I'm losing my eyesight, or, you know, I can't you know, it takes me longer to read things or I can't see people's faces as well. And I could just like wallow in self-pity or I could spin that story in a positive way. And that's my choice. And it comes down to my mindset, and my choice. And I could make that a positive and I have. And when you do that and you spin your story into a positive, it's such a powerful thing. And so I think a lot of times in everybody's head, your story, you tell yourself your story day in and day out, whether you realize it or not. We're all talking to ourselves constantly. And unless you write that down and put it down on paper or on a computer, it's really hard to organize those thoughts. So what I would recommend to anybody is spend five, 10, 15 minutes, just writing, write down your thoughts, write down your story, spend some time organizing all that stuff. And over time, you'll see patterns, you'll see a theme. And it's really powerful because once that stuff's down on paper, it's up to you. You can spin it however you want. You can write your own story. You can make yourself the superhero Um, or you could make yourself, you know, the person who goes out and helps other people because, um, it's a noble thing to do, or you can literally choose whatever you want. So create your story. I would say, start by writing, start by reading. And, um, if anybody's listening to this and wants some recommendations of books or podcasts, you know, shoot me a message on, on Instagram, uh, get in touch with me some way, shape or form. And I'd be happy to talk to you on an individual level because, um, it does, it depends on the person. Um, and, and I'd actually like to spin that question back to you guys and kind of hear your thoughts on how you found your drive, because I know you guys both have incredible drives for, um, what you do in the clinic, what you do as people, and especially what you do on social media with the podcast and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think like, uh, you know, kind of like you said, you have to understand why you're doing things. And that's something that me and Dalton from the beginning, kind of, uh, sat down and we, we talked about what our values are, you know, uh, in general, like what we want to be and what we want to, uh, portray ourselves as. And, and I think that vision and everything has shaped itself over time a little bit more and everything. But, uh, you know, I think that the why and the reasons behind what you're doing are, are ultimately what's going to keep you going. Because if you're, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, like, you're not going to last, you know, if, if you're just out on social media or doing whatever you're doing to get um, some type of external validation, and that's the only reason why you're doing that, it's not going to last very long. And so I think that's, that's uh, to answer your question for me, yeah. uh, that's, that's why.
0: Yeah. And I, just to kind of build on that and Joe, you touched on it. I think what what's been so powerful for Will and I is it's always been about something like bigger than ourselves. And I think that's, that's a key factor, right? Um, we've always, everything we've done, we've done without really getting like without expectation of getting something in return. Mm-hmm. And if something comes in return, whether that be the, an opportunity, a connection, um, someone just giving us like that external validation, then great. Like, that's awesome. But if not, like, we're okay with it. We have a vision, we have our our mindset around what we want to do. And we just keep trucking along, like, it's not going to stop us from doing what we're doing. Um, But I think it's also important to mention too, that like, it's, it's, it's not easy, like, sometimes it gets hard. And I think what you're saying about writing stuff down, um, and I think me and Will do more of it, like verbally with each other, like through conversation, and even conversations with you guys with Andy, with with Zach and Steph, like having those conversations about your vision, the steps that you're taking forward um, has helped to like shape um, our like trajectory as like what we're doing with our, with our brand. And just even as people ourselves. So I think that's also an important thing is like find people that you can share that with that can hold you accountable um, or could even give you some advice that could help like shape that vision that you have.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. I love all that. And and hearing you guys talk about that kind of made me um, think of, uh, I, I don't know who the quote is by, but you are who you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. right? And if you find a good team and you find good people, you become like them. They become like you. Yeah. And so you have to actively seek out those people in your life who are going to make you better and also who you can make better and help. Um, and I think that's really important. And the other thing that came to mind as you were talking where uh, was that, you know, I think a lot of times someone's why has to do with being bigger than themselves. You know, it's not a why for a selfish reason. It's a why for a selfless reason. Mm -hmm. And if your why is selfless and other people are depending on you and you realize that your actions have consequences, I think it's a lot easier to stick with that. Why and wake up every morning with a little bit of fire. Um, and, And the other thing that came to mind was a Tony Robbins, uh, motivational video that I'd probably watch like dozens of times over the past couple of years, but he talks about not being pushed to do something, but finding something that pulls you because push or external motivation that that's, that's going to run out. You know, you could read all the motivational quotes or watch all the videos that you want, but that's, that's going to, that's going to fade. That's not going to last. You need to find something that's going to pull you out of bed in the morning. And so if you can find that thing that literally pulls you out of bed in the morning and makes it easy to get out of bed, that's the thing that should drive your why. Um, and for me, that's helping other people, but it could be anything. And so when you find that thing that pulls you, that's what you should latch on to.
0: For sure, man. And it's the most fun when like you surround yourself with people that are trying to do a lot of the same stuff. Like I don't, I get so much joy out of like seeing like, like guys like you and like, like, even, like, Steph, the other day, she just posted something about, like, she's going to be on Clinical Athlete, and I'm just, yeah. like, man, like, I get so hyped when I see, like, these other people that, like, you've surrounded yourself with, and, like, built these relationships, and, like, you know that you all have, like, the same vision and stuff, and you see them have that, like, take that next step, it's just, like, it's it just fires you up, right, and, like, that's why it's so important, I think, because it is easy, even if you do have a good vision, and you have a drive, like, to get to those dark places where you're, like, I don't, I'm not feeling it. You know, like, I don't want to do it. Like that is normal. You know, like everyone goes through that and it's easy for people to not understand that because like, again, social media sometimes is just like a flash in the pan of like all they see is like hypeness, but yeah. that's not what it is all the time. Right. So.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. hundred
1: percent. And it, it was funny, like you mentioned, like surrounding yourself, you know, with, with the right people and stuff. And I think, uh, that's, that's literally what we've tried to do with this podcast, you know, is try to like build a community where we're surrounding people and exposing people to information that is helpful. And I think is positive. And then trying to get that, uh, out to whoever needs to hear it, you know what I mean? So that we can have that uh, community. And I think that's what me and Dalton really, really love. And that is like, we don't need any motivation to go and do this. Like we just get so excited to do it all the time. Just coffee. Just coffee. That's all Just
2: coffee. Yeah.
1: But that's ultimately what coffee is, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) Connecting and like having conversations. And so like, it makes sense to kind
0: of like surround it by that. So
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's, uh, let's transition into the next part. So Joe, we, uh, we know you just finished up like a rotation, your 12-week clinical rotation at like a children's uh, specialized hospital. Um, yeah. And you had a pretty like humbling experience there. And I know you wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. So let's like dive into that and maybe give some people a little bit of insight into like how that went for you. Um, and we can kind of chat about that.
2: Yeah. So I should start by saying that I've had no pediatric physical therapy experience before this rotation. I thought I was pretty interested in pediatrics because I worked at a summer camp for a bunch of summers. I'm, I love kids. They seem to love me too. So it seemed like it would be a good fit. And uh, there aren't many things in life that I get myself into that just from the very start, I realize, like, shoot, I'm in over my head. Uh, this was one of them. I literally the first day, first patient, Watching my CI treat like a six-month-old baby, just wailing the whole time, crying nonstop. And I just thought to myself, like, I have no idea what to do in this situation. Like, I don't even know what pediatric PT is, let alone how to calm down this baby and get stuff done. And uh, I felt like I was in over my head. And with that being said, I made the decision first day up front that I was going to put in the work to this rotation. Uh, And so every day I got to clinic an hour early, no exceptions, every single day. I'd plan out my day, prepare, um, be as prepared as I could for the day and get myself ready. And with that being said, I realized that in pediatric PT, more so than maybe any other kind of PT that I've experienced, things probably won't go as planned. Uh, You could have a treatment session planned out to a T, to the minute, everything you want to do and your four-year-old with autism and um, ADHD comes in the door, throws a tantrum, and that plan is completely out the window. And it becomes about improvising. And uh, the thing that I found really difficult about pediatric PT wasn't just that you had to improvise, but you had to improvise while you kept control and the attention of whatever child was in front of you, whether that be an eight month old baby, a two year old with down syndrome, a four year old with cerebral palsy or whatever it was, you had to be prepared to control the situation, be in charge, but also think on your feet. Uh, And so that was really tough for me. Uh, The other thing I realized was that when you're working in pediatric PT, you have to be really uncomfortable being uncomfortable Uh, because from the start, you know, you're dealing with a lot of kids who are either crying, screaming, um, don't want to pay attention to what you have to say. And it could be uncomfortable when there are other parents, other people in the room and you have this child screaming at the top of their lungs right in front of you and you can't calm them down. And from the very beginning, I just wanted that to stop. You know, I would just think in my head, like, please just, someone make this kid be quiet please like i'm so embarrassed right now like i can't stop this kid from crying and what you have to realize is like and my ci has helped me through this a lot is you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable you know it's okay to let a kid cry it out sometimes it's okay to to make things hard and challenge kids and um, you have to make yourself comfortable with those things not only in pediatric pt but i thought it was a great analogy for life Uh, Because there are a lot of things in life that are uncomfortable or a little bit awkward or, you know, maybe not your favorite. But if you want to grow and you want to get to where you have to be, you have to be willing to live in that zone of uncomfortableness. You have to be willing to endure some discomfort and know that it's going to get you in the end to where you want to be. And I thought that was one of the big takeaways from pediatric PT for me was putting myself in this 12 week rotation, being super uncomfortable pretty much the whole time, even till the end, knowing that it was making me better every single day. Um, and, and that was, that was, that was real powerful for me. You know,
1: I think that's really good insight. Like some of the, some of the things, like some of the parallels to just everyday physio are, are there too. Like, I think one of the most challenging aspects is handling that kind of social element. Mm -hmm. You know, like something I didn't really anticipate was the situations where you have to conduct an assessment with like a mom and a daughter or like, uh, a, a father and a son or whatever it is, like where there's that social element where you're trying to navigate the interview, but you know, you've got different personalities and, you know, different, uh, uh, levels of power in that kind of, uh, relationship. And I think that's like a, a challenging thing. And it's sort of amplified when you're dealing with uh, a baby, you know, because obviously people, people are really protective of their baby rightfully yeah. so. Right. So that's like an uncomfortable situation.
2: Big time, big time. Uh, and and it's like working with the family dynamics too, because you know a lot of times in the area that I was in, uh, the patients were Spanish speaking. So you had an infant or a young child with one or more Spanish speaking parents. And my Spanish is all right, um, but sometimes you could use the interpreter, or you can just kind of work your way through it. But managing that dynamic with or without a language barrier is pretty hard. Oh
1: uh, man, oh. Yeah,
0: I couldn't imagine.
1: I, I was also laughing while you're talking because. I had, uh, this one placement and, um, I had, I had one client who would come in and who would bring their baby mm-hmm. and, uh, my, my <laughs> clinical instructor mostly work with her but every time I would go up, <laughs> the baby would start crying <laughs> and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know if it's like the beard or something, but like. I could not be around this
0: client. I had to be as far
1: away as possible.
0: (laughs) She probably thought you were a Viking man. Yeah, maybe eh? who knows. (laughs) Um, Joe, I want to talk about, so obviously this idea of being comfortable with being uncomfortable is something that like gets talked about a lot. And I think, I, I think it's huge for, for us as growth, as people, as, as professionals. Um, but what what kind of strategies do you use? Because like you knew every day you were going back there that you were just going to be super uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And I think you're kind of forced to go back because like you got to do your placement. Yeah. Um, but like, what what are some strategies or some things you use to kind of continue to be able to push through that like discomfort? Because like you know it's coming. Basically, you know. Yeah.
2: Uh, so there are a couple of things. I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize when you're going through something uncomfortable, or even you know, you read my blog and you realize that I I, I made it through this rotation, it was uncomfortable for me. There are a lot of people in my life who, who I leaned on uh, during this time. And I think it's something that maybe isn't frowned upon, but not talked about enough, is that nobody could do anything alone. Like, whatever it is you do in this life, even if it's indirect and you feel like you did it on your own, there are people who helped you out and and that you couldn't have done it without. Um, And so I leaned on my family and uh, especially my girlfriend helped me out a lot. Um, Whether it was just encouraging me or being able to talk to her at the end of the day and just kind of, whether it was to vent or, you know, celebrate a small victory, um, having those people in my life to lean on and to get me through that. Um, was important. So again, it comes back to having that team or that group of people to surround yourself with. Uh, On top of that, we also talked about it, but having your why and knowing your why. And for me, I had a specific why for this clinical rotation. And it started off real early on in the rotation, I realized that so many of these kids, you know, this is a specialized hospital, they see a lot of um, pretty challenging diagnoses. And a lot of these kids have it so bad, um, and they're looking to me, if I have the chance to treat them, it's an opportunity. It's an honor. It's, it's, a, you know, I have to take that with, um, all the seriousness and preparation that I could possibly bring because these kids, their well-being in a sense is being put in my hands and that's a huge responsibility. So I felt an obligation to do my absolute best for these kids every single day And above that, I felt an obligation to my CIs. I had two CIs who were investing their time and energy and effort into me. And then I felt an obligation to my family and my friends and everybody who ever gave their best for me. I felt obligated to give my best in this rotation for them. uh, Because it's all about investing in other people. And I felt like I owed that to the people who had invested in me. And then um, lastly, I thought that throughout this rotation, like while I knew every day was hard, uh, I took it step by step and day by day. I tried my best not to look too far into the future. You know, after three weeks in and I realized this is going to be tough, I have nine more weeks. I tried my best not to think that I had nine more weeks. I thought about this day, this patient, this hour, and I focused in the now. And that's not always easy to do. It's actually pretty hard to do. But you know, whenever my mind wandered and raced to crap, I have nine more weeks of this, or, you know, I, this is only Monday. I brought myself back to the now and focused on that patient. And it made a big difference in the long run.
1: About before where, you know, it, it's natural to, to get exhausted, especially when you're in a situation that you're not necessarily like used to, and it's really uncomfortable. But I think the, when you have a reason why you're wanted, you, you want to be there. And when yeah. you actually get that interaction, the switch comes and, and you're in it, you know, you're in the zone in that moment.
0: So Joe, I know, so we, uh, we had the opportunity to read that blog that you wrote about like the pediatric thing. And one thing you talked about with your experience um, was this idea of like, when you're trying to help, Um, kids learn how to walk or take steps you would use like a toy or a prompt um, and keep it just out of reach of them and to encourage them to take to take steps Um, and oftentimes you know they they would fall or they'd fail over and over again and then at at one point you know they would kind of click and get it and like once they were able to take a couple more steps um, they started to realize like their the, the power they had or the ability that they had um kind of take us through that and like i know you kind of equated it to to life um in some ways about having to step out on like just having faith um in something so why don't you talk a little bit about that for us
2: yeah for sure i um i thought it was pretty funny actually because a lot of pediatric pt what i ended up finding out like wasn't that groundbreaking it was pretty intuitive like parents do that all the time when they want a kid to walk they try to coax them into walking by giving them something that they want and putting it out of reach and make them walk for it. You know, they make them walk for it. They make them work for it. And that's exactly what happens in pediatric PT. And what, what would happen, like you said, is kids would fall down time after time, but if it was a toy or it was something that they really wanted, they would keep getting back up, you know, with your help, if they needed it, but they would keep getting back up and going for that toy. And I thought it was such a powerful parallel to life when there's something that you want you know whether it's a toy or whether it's a job or whether it's to go to graduate school or whatever it is if you really want it you will find a way and no matter how many times you fall back down you just have to keep getting back up and trying again because eventually with persistence with consistency it will click and you have to have that faith that it will happen because if you if you don't believe that it's going to happen you'll give up you'll eventually give up and you won't get it. But just like kids, every time you fall back down, get up and walk again because eventually they get it and eventually you'll get it. Whoever out there is listening, you will get what you want if you work for it with persistence and grit and determination and if you get up every time you fall down. And you just have to believe. Um, I know it's not easy, but but you got to believe.
1: Yeah, you have, you have to be like... Resilient, right? Because yep. you're gonna get knocked down, and you're gonna have to kind of overcome that. But I think, yeah. like, and you're the quote guy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you've got all these quotes, and I I read I read your blog on the Guatemala blog, uh, yeah. and it it was such a like awesome blog. Uh, I read I read it so quick. Uh, I I enjoy like the fact that you get your quotes out of the experiences. You know what I mean? yeah and, and yeah one of my favorite ones in that blog was this idea of resiliency, and it is this resiliency is a mindset that can be learned and I feel like if that 's something that you got from that from that experience, then we gotta talk a little bit about it so i want like I want you to just share you know what this trip was and and you know just tell us a little bit about about that trip
2: yeah of course, uh so my program at Drexel each year gets together a group of maybe anywhere from like 10 to 15 students and a couple faculty and maybe some alumni. And we go down to Guatemala with a group called hearts in motion. And so what we do is we provide PT services to underserved communities down in Guatemala. And a lot of times that means setting up pop-up clinics. So we'll literally go to like an empty gym or an empty, like abandoned building and just set up our tables, go through the streets and tell people, Hey, there's a PT clinic here and people just come from all over and we'll treat them and we'll do like a little quick eval and like give them some exercise and patient education and send them on their way. And like, it was just such an incredible experience to be able to help the people down there. And um, I, I learned so much. It was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. And I would highly recommend if anybody ever gets the chance to do something like that, you know, going to, it doesn't even have to be a foreign country, but to an underserved area and just helping out in whatever specialty or skills that you have, uh, really powerful stuff. And so I'll kind of take you through it kind of day by day, but also give you the overview. So we got there, you know, it was like a long travel day and uh, Guatemala, I guess, depending on where you are in the country is about an hour behind United States Eastern time. So not too bad of a time difference. But what I realized is like, when you're traveling, that time is so relative, like on the way there, I was so excited to be there that, you know, the however many hours of travel it was like 12 or whatever, felt like nothing because I was looking forward to it. But on the way back, like I was tired and I was like, all right, well, now this is over and I'm coming back to the United States. Like not that there's anything wrong with the United States, but it felt like way more than 12 hours, you know? And what I realized, like time is relative, just like everything else in life, your expectations and your reality that you're living in influence how you perceive the world. And I just thought that was like a cool little thing that I, I picked up from the travel. Uh, but getting more into kind of the actual PT down there. So what I realized from the very start was how resilient the people down in Guatemala were and how happy they were you know, you would see people with all types of injuries or conditions that were really hard to deal with in the beginning, in in the first place, but they don't have like access to healthcare, a lot of people down there. And so they're like dealing with these things like muscular dystrophy or Guillain-Barre and like, they're not like, they're not seeing doctors, they're not seeing PTs, like they're just living with it. And then on top of that, it's like in extreme poverty, in extreme heat, And like the conditions are just terrible. No electricity, no running water. And these people, despite all of that, are so happy. And like they come into the clinic and they're like smiling, laughing, so happy to even just have human interaction with you and have the opportunity to be seen by you. And it was just such a humbling experience. One of the moments that kind of stuck out to me throughout the whole experience was I think it was the fourth or fifth day. I woke up, my iPhone wasn't fully plugged in and it wasn't fully charged. And I was like, I was, I was upset. I was frustrated. And I was like, you know what? That sucks. my phone's not fully charged. I can't like take pictures or whatever. Then we go to the clinic and we do a home visit. We walk through these beat up dirt roads, like super uneven, like there are no cars can even drive down it. We walk in like the sweltering heat down to this small tin hut, you know, literally made of tin, just like like slapped together with some wood on the roof. And uh, we walk into the house and there's this like, I forget how old he was, but maybe eight or nine year old boy with muscular dystrophy. And he's in his wheelchair, his knees and hips and ankles are fully contracted. He's like 60 pounds soaking wet. He's got burns all over his body because he was caught in a house fire and he couldn't move. And despite all of that, he smiled the whole time. He was laughing. He was so happy. And it was like, you know what? This kid has it so much worse objectively than I have it, but he is so happy. And it brought me back to high school when I started a club called Life's Not Fair And, uh, I got, it was, it was not probably the best name for a club because without further explanation is like, people were like, well, is this kid just complaining? Like, what is this? (laughs) But, um, but the whole idea behind the club was that life's not fair, but it could always be worse. And so like, no matter what you're going through, like in my case, my iPhone wasn't fully charged or, you know, whatever you're going through, just realize that somebody out there has it worse. And that, you know, every struggle that you face is an opportunity to be grateful for what you do have. And I realized that day in and day out in Guatemala, and it was just such a powerful experience. And the other thing that goes hand in hand with that, that I realized down there is that comparison truly is the thief of joy. You know, down there, they're living in their own world. They are so happy. They're not connected to the internet. They have no electricity, running water. They're happy with what they have. But I'm sure if they saw what we had and how we lived in America and Canada and other parts of the world, they might be a little jealous. They might be a little less happy. Who knows? Maybe not. But whether it's them or it's us in everyday life, comparing yourself to other people truly, truly robs you of a lot. Um, and it's hard to be happy with yourself when you're constantly wishing you had what other people have. And um, that's something that I think I have struggled with in the past and and still do. Um, but as you guys kind of touched on it earlier, it's tough with social media, because everybody puts out for the most part, like the highlights, you know, everything that's good with their life, they try to make it look better than it is, they put out the highlights. And when you constantly scroll through social media, and you see just the highlights, you start to forget that people aren't showing you their whole lives. You know, everybody has struggles and the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Um, and that you need to focus on yourself and be happy with what you have before you could go out and give your best to other people. Um, and that was, that was a big takeaway for me. Definitely. That.
0: Yeah. It just seems like just keeps coming back to almost the same thing. Often is just that idea of like, you have the choice, like as little, like and even when things get like terrible, right? Like some terrible, terrible things happen to people in the world. But even with that, you still have that choice to choose how you're going to like, you know, wake up every day in the mindset that you're going to have. And I think you get, I think I've gotten to the point and, you know, like obviously talking to you and just learning is like, you don't really have any other choice, but to take that mindset because what are you going to do? You're just not going to, you're just going to, you know, sit there and be like, Oh, you know, that's it. You're just going to let it happen. Um, yeah. You're not you're not going to do that, right? So I think, like hearing you talk about this, and like I think going and seeing it at like that scale is is really eye-opening. You know, for obviously for you, but it would be eye-opening for someone like me too to just see that and be like, oh man, like hold on for a second. You know, like it's not that bad.
2: Yeah, definitely. And going along those lines, one of the examples that I had of that in Guatemala was this man named Kike. Uh, we didn't actually get to meet him. I think he was out of town, but. Um, Basically what happened was he suffered a spinal cord injury and uh, he was paralyzed and he needed a lot of physical therapy. And instead of kind of wallowing in self pity, what he decided to do was he turned his home into a PT clinic. So we went there one day and treated people at his at his house we treated dozens and dozens of people like in rooms of a house. Like he just literally took his whole house and turned it into a, like a full blown PT clinic with tables and exercise equipment and everything. And like, it was just so crazy. How This guy, like his life was changing an instant. He had a spinal cord injury and he decided, you know what? PT helped me. I'm going to help other people. And he turned it into a positive. And so it's like back to that same thing, mindset you can turn any quote unquote bad experience into a good one if you choose to. And it's all about that choice.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing to touch on, obviously I haven't gone through anything like that extreme in my life. Right. But mm-hmm. I think it's also important to to recognize that it's okay to like have be in that, let's say bad place or those negative thoughts or like, you know, not immediately switch that mindset to like what you're saying because it, you know, it's, you, it's okay to feel those things for a period of time. And I think it's almost a good thing to experience that for a bit. But then once you, you go through, you have to, you know, realize like, okay, I got to do something, right. Cause you can't stay into that, that, that frame of mind for a long period of time, or it's just going to continue to cycle like out of control. Right.
2: Yeah. I think uh, as, as the quote guy here, uh, <laughs> I love the quote. Uh, it's, it's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. Yeah, man. Um, and then also, you can't see the stars without the dark, right? So you need you need to really, truly understand and accept and take in those bad experiences in order to look forward to what's to come and the positive and what you have to be grateful for.
0: Right. And it's all relative, right? Everyone's yeah. going through something like that's something I've also like, you know, you're right with social media. You don't see a lot of stuff that, that people are going through. But I think I've started to realize that, you know, no matter who it is, like out there, that's putting stuff content out there or has all these followers, like, no matter what, it comes down to the fact they're still human, they still have those experiences, that, like everyone goes through them. So I've almost just started to like, have more empathy for people and knowing like, you know, maybe this person is going through something that we don't really know about. And that and like, You know, maybe you shouldn't be, like, attacking them or, like, you shouldn't be, like, judging them. Like, you know, just kind of let it, like, just be positive and go forward with it because you know people are going through shit. (laughs)
2: Yeah. No, it's it's so true. It's so true. And uh, kind of a funny side note on that mindset. I try to adopt that in everything I do, and that's one of the reasons I love the quote, "Be the reason someone smiles today," is because a smile can change someone's day and change someone's life. And you don't know if that person needs a smile. They might. They might look great on the outside, but they really need that positive energy in their life. So what I try to do is where I struggle the most is driving. Uh maybe it's a New Jersey thing. I don't know. I'm a pretty I guess you can call me an aggressive driver, but I've get- heard
0: that about the New <laughs> Jersey people, man. Like Steph was telling me about that when she cause she's from New Jersey, I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah, she is. It's yeah. nuts. Like New Jersey's the only state where like the speed limit could be 70 miles per hour and you're going like 80, and someone passes you and like looks over at you like what are you doing going 80 miles per hour? You're so <laughs> slow um but anyway like i'll get stuck bes- behind like what i would call like a bad driver like someone going like 15 and 25 and like i have to like consciously slow myself down and like literally the other day in the car to myself out loud i was like you know what maybe this person just got hit in the head with a baseball bat and they're driving themselves to the hospital and that's <laughs> why they like like you never know but like you know you really have to stop and realize like you know everybody's got something and you can't always see it. And so you really have to be conscious of that.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Joe, um, to wrap it up, man, is there anything else that you want to get out, let people know? Is there anything coming down the pipe for you that you're working on that you're excited about? Um, you can share it now, man.
2: Yeah, I uh, appreciate that. Um, I am just going to be doing more of the same for now. I'll be graduating PT school in a couple of months. So I will be in the job search process probably like New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Uh, other than that, I'll be keeping up with social media. i looking to really take the blog to a new level this year with uh, some guest posts, some really powerful stuff. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, near the end of the year, I might be coming out with another, uh, if you want to call it motivational video. So Woo. keep an eye out for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. yeah. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped.
1: We're pumped too, man. Uh, I think you're the first person who's been the second guest. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. You know what I mean? That that came out weird, but.
2: (laughs) I'm honored. Yeah. That's awesome, eh?
0: Yes. Yes. That's awesome.
2: (laughs) I almost forgot about the A until
0: right now. (laughs) Uh, Yo, why don't you just leave, like, where people can find you?
2: Yeah, so – On Instagram, you can find me at JoeRinaldi.spt. If you're listening to this after April of 2019, it'll be at JoeRinaldi.dpt. And then if you want to check out the blog, just type in JoeRinaldi. That's J-O-E-R-I-N-A-L-D-I.blog, and it'll take you there. Um, So that's pretty much all I got.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks for coming yeah. on. That was awesome. I love yeah. talking to you, man. Keep...
2: I love talking to you guys, too. And thank, no, thank, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Because you guys get me fired up every day, and I appreciate it.
0: Unreal. All right, Joe, man. Be good. Keep crushing it. Keep motivating the world. We'll see you later, man.
2: Sounds good. See you guys.